Welcome. Welcome to another episode of the PodQuest. PodQuest. Broadcasting from all around Vol Nation. Where we talk about Vols football, basketballs, recruiting, and exclusive interviews with those closest to the program. Now, you're about to experience the PodQuest. Good evening, PodQuest fans, Tennessee fans. If you're a football, football fan, you might not want to listen tonight because we are going all in on basketball tonight it is the ncaa tournament it's march madness we've gone through the first two rounds we still have games going this is georgia tech ball by the way thank you for listening to the podcast it is sunday uh, march 24th oh my gosh we're already getting into april but we've got so much to talk about there's a grittiness that's going to be about this pod quest because we feel like the team should be a little bit grittier than they were today um, we had a very spirited discussion beforehand hopefully it carries over here to the podcast tonight, but we're really pumped to be here again. It's George Tech Vol. I'm here with Powell Vols, Priest Vol, and Bleed Orange 23. And we miss some of our normal cashers that we typically have PTC Vol, Duke Silver, who's kind of come around, not, not here tonight because he's still unclogging his toilet. He was over at uh, his uh, girlfriend's house, <laughs> <laughs> his, his girlfriend's parents' house, which is even worse. Right, exactly. So we get doesn't a text. Have, doesn't have Wi-Fi. Doesn't have Wi-Fi. Doesn't have <laughs> a connection to DirecTV or any cable services to watch the CBS app. Anything he can't watch the games, and he's sitting on the toilet like um, like Harry from uh, Dumb and Dumber when he took the Turbo Lax. And uh, <laughs> we had about three hours of trying to figure out how to clean his toilet, um, which was a is a pretty good. We're, we're sitting there trying to talk about some of the games and stuff, and he's still asking us why a bunch of jerks like us can't help him fix his freaking clogged toilet. So uh, <laughs> next time, don't one when you're on an away game, you know, don't use. Uh, I I, th- I feel like he used like paper towels or something. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Anyway, Duke Silver, uh, congratulations on getting that toilet unclogged. So I understand he enjoys the cha- chaffing that comes with the paper towels. Well, that <laughs> maybe that was a, tr- a text between you, you and Duke. But uh, um, yeah, he was he had all sorts of problems. There, we're trying to figure out an out strategy for him. No pun intended, but we're trying to figure out a way for him to blame it on somebody else, maybe a younger sibling or a younger in law. And uh, somebody went in there and and uh, urinated on top of his whole mess. He kept trying to turn the water off and on. And we were sending him YouTube videos. So shout out to Volfan and shout out to Volfan in Louisiana for not sending anything that was beneficial. He kept sending gifs and stuff like that that were pretty funny. But anyway, we had a good time at his expense, so it was fun. But let's get to the meat and potatoes real quickly. Let's get introductions out of the way. I know we all all have a lot to talk about. Um, Powell Vols, I'll pass it to you first. Thanks for being on, man. I know you've gone last week, but we're glad to have you on this week. How are you, man? I'm doing really good. Glad to be here. Fired up. It's, yeah, it's a uh, bring it, man. I want you to bring the heat tonight. So yeah. I'm really, really, really happy that we're going to Sweet 16, but man, yeah. we don't make any we don't make anything easy. I know. It's it's crazy. It's going to be a fun discussion tonight. We got a lot to talk about. Thank you for being on, man. We're in everything good as well, you know, family and stuff too, by the way. Yeah, everything's great. Awesome. Awesome. No, it's it's first and foremost we're all family here, so we we want to make sure everybody's family's good. So, thank you for being on, man. Uh Priest Fall, you got the baby down. 
How are you doing? She did. You must be good. I'm good. Did you have? I'm good. I'm here. I did. Yeah. Wife went and picked up dinner instead of cooking. So um, hats off to her. She's a true team player. Okay. Um, yeah. So put the baby down. She went down with ease, which is rare. So that was kind of nice to um, win for me this evening. Um, so you know, I didn't take my foot off the pedal like. Um, some other Tennessee people did today when I was, you know, had a 25 point lead on nursing a, a baby back to sleep. So, um, no, everything's good on my end, man. Awesome. Awesome. Good to have you, man. And still, again, we're, I'm still I had such a good time up in Nashville, uh, the other weekend. And, and speaking of Nashville, the man who still is hung over from our time at the sec tournament, bleed orange 23. How are you tonight? Oh, just great son. It's, uh, Good to be here talking after a couple of uh, wins here in uh, March Madness and uh, certainly a tough end to last weekend. We're all pretty beat up getting back in town. We had a had a great time with my son there in Nashville and seeing Priest and a lot of the PodQuest uh, guys and some of the VolQuest guys. And uh, it really was a big weekend and, and uh, really a privilege to be there with my son. Why don't we do that more often? I don't understand that. I feel like that should, that's like a long time coming kind of thing. I feel like that well, needs to happen more often. I'm just, I'm waiting for you to tell me when you want to pay for it all again. Well, you know, again, I, I've got deep pockets, but I don't know about that DP. You know, he kept sending me, we're, we're looking at seat geek and all these other, you know, websites. And I'm, I'm like, look, there's the higher bowl here. They cost 300 a pop. And then he's like, Oh no, we need to do lower bowl seats. So he kept pushing me down in the lower bowl. So we had to get the good seats. So uh, Alex, Alex was sitting in the good seats. We had to sit near him. So anyway, shout out to Alex, but again, bleed orange. Thank you for being on tonight. Uh, we again had a good time last week and we're, we're glad to have you on this week. So let's jump into it real quickly. Again, Tennessee, you know, I don't want to say barely, but kind of squeaks by Colgate. It was an interesting game. They made a lot of threes. They had a, their Burns guy that scored 30 plus points. We can talk about it as much as we want to, but I think we're kind of past that. Obviously today, Tennessee, uh, wins in overtime against Iowa Hawkeyes, the 23-12 and 12 Iowa Hawkeyes, 83-77. Tennessee is now 31-5 and five for the season, but it doesn't feel like it, right? And we live in a world of feeling and stuff like that. We don't feel like we're 31-5 and five right now. We feel like we're kind of a bubble team. Uh, you, you get up by 25, and then you let your foot off the gas. So we've had a lot of discussion around this today. And actually, real quickly, shout out to Holly Warlick, who was wearing a bunch of, I think they were apple pies or something on her shirt last night. Lady Vols have been um, bounced from the, the NCAA tournament. But let's go into Tennessee versus Iowa Hawkeyes. Um, Powell, I'll just send it off to you. I know you have a little bit you want to discuss about kind of your general feeling of either the players or the coaches, but uh, what do you kind of want to get off your chest about, about this team? I really don't understand why in the world we slow the ball down after getting a 25 point lead and, and basically just play to the other team's strength when they could not, they could not run with us. We, our defense was, just suffocating them basically and and while we while i felt like we still played good defense you know say the, the intensity wasn't there it's like when we started losing our mojo on offense where i felt like we slowing the ball down just sort of zapped us with energy zapped our energy and 
and you know, it just, it was just like a snowball effect where once they made a couple shots, you could just feel it coming. And you, it, it was almost like the players could feel it coming too. Yeah, it, it almost felt like kind of in, in even in football, even, you know, you kind of feel the momentum swing. And basketball is a big game of momentums as well, obviously. And, you know, all sports is, but it's like, gosh, okay, can we keep it at 16 points? Can we keep it at 18 points? Well, okay, can we keep it at 13 points? Can we keep it at 10 points? And then it just kind of snowballed, like you said. And, and obviously they, they came back and had a couple of calls as well. I, I think part of what was a, a perfect storm, and I'll ask you, Bleed Orange, your thoughts or Priest, either or, but – you know, they got to the line as well a lot in that second half. And you kind of couple that with, uh, you know, I don't think they shot incredibly well in the second half. Maybe I'm wrong, but, you you know, a lot of the getting to the line, they shot 32 times to our 23. But, you know, they – a pretty decent percentage, 24 or 32, not terrible, but decent enough. But, um, you know, you have the, the Weiss camp guy that eight of eight from free throws and he wasn't really shooting very well from three, but he was getting, you know, some points at the free throw line. You know, I'll, I'll ask you bleed orange. Do you think what other, you know, what kind of helped get Iowa back in the game? Was it slowing it down completely? Was it, you know, some of the you know foul calls where they get into the line or is it kind of a combination of everything? <laughs> you know, when you give up something like that, it, it's probably a combination of everything. I yeah. think that the uh, officials um, have in the NCAA tournament have been kind of letting them play, which is kind of nice to see. Uh, but then for whatever reason, they seem to want to take more control of the game in the second half by uh, calling some fouls. And and uh, I believe I heard an announcer at one point even make some comment about them trying to control things not you know like get too chippy yeah that was about the time when so i want to ask that and powell i want you i bleed orange i want you in on this as well but powell i do want to ask you so i felt like actually that was kind of a turning point in in the momentum so you had um you had white iverson we do not call him fulkerson on the podcast we call him white iverson white iverson going up to set a screen and their point guard literally blows through him both hands right pushes both hands Okay, I see him back, no call. And then Fulkerson comes back, and he's not, you know, he has his hands down like a regular screen, and the guy goes into him again, and they call a double foul, and it gets chippy, and they got to go look and all this stuff. And that was a big boost, I think, for Iowa. Like, oh, we're not going to, you know, sit down and take this, you know, game sitting kind of thing. Do you feel like that was a big momentum swing for them? I don't think it helped Tennessee. What do you guys think? Well, I don't think it helped Tennessee, but I, I think that the, the thing that was tough for Tennessee was uh, you, you mentioned several different aspects of what caused or allowed Iowa to get back into it. And, you know, we were talking some before we started about the momentum of any particular sport, no matter what it is. And obviously, Iowa started getting some momentum, and that was partly – Trust me, I'm not blaming the game on the officials because they were calling calls on both sides and all that kind of stuff. But it is difficult when you have, you know, pretty physical play going on uh, in prior games and then they seem to make a little shift there. And so now we start getting and we got a couple of stupid fouls that we committed, but um, we also lost our, our, our 
attacking mode on offense. And we were talking about this some. Um, Paul had some ideas on it about, you know, why are we doing this? We should keep uh, pressing. Uh, I'll let you speak to that, Powell. I was just posing the prospect that, well, okay, you've got, I don't know, what what was our lead at halftime? 20, 21 points, 25, what was it? 21, I believe, wasn't it? All right, so it says 21 points. So what you do, whether it's in basketball or football, when you've got a big lead like that, you know, in football you want to start, instead of passing the ball every down, you want to run the ball if you can do so at all and shorten the possessions for the other team and their opportunities to score and get back in the game. And that kind of a concept can happen in basketball as well. But, you know, there's, there's a difference between taking the air completely out of the tires and not attacking. And um, I, I think that uh, Tennessee made some really critical errors in, in just being stagnant on offense and really slowed it down way too much. They weren't getting great ball movement. They weren't, um, you know, getting the, you know, doing all the stuff that they were doing in the first half of really attacking uh, Iowa's defense. And uh, that, that creates some real problems and kind of a little bit of lackadaisical stuff. And uh, boy, it it just started going downhill and uh, it was, it was tough to stop just like it was tough for Iowa to stop what Tennessee was doing in the first half. And I also think it, it goes even even though I said before that you kind of you kind of you know slowing the ball down kind of plays plays into the other team a little bit. I also think it plays against you because I feel like we are at our best when we run with the ball. That doesn't mean that and that doesn't mean you run down the court and take a quick shot. That's not necessarily what I mean. But when you push the ball, you might you you know like we talked about before you make the other team run all the time when you walk the fo- walk the ball up the floor you're letting the other team rest and it's and you know so you're not keeping the pressure on them and making them move getting them tired and and stuff like that but <clears throat> something you was, you was talking about um gt you was talking about the uh the focus and deal um and i i'm not 100 percent on the rules but that should have been a an F1 on that kid for pushing. Exactly, because it was deliberate. It wasn't a play on the ball. It's deliberate. Yes, the problem is he did it twice. Exactly. And, and, you know, I think, you know, I think the rule isn't just there for a shot to the head. It's, um, it's excessive contact beyond a basketball play. And that's exactly what that was. Now, obviously he wasn't like trying to push him, you know, he was just trying to move him away, but, a double-handed shove twice at the top of the key is not a basketball play. Right. Well, really? I think to your point, Powell, though, if you think about it, if you look at the context of the game, though, like even Chris Weber was saying, like, those guys are frustrated. Their guards were super frustrated because we were mm-hmm. working them in the first half, and this guy was letting off a bunch of steam at, at Fulkerson's expense. And it's like, yeah, it kind of was a deliberate thing. And – you know, maybe if it was a close game, he's trying to fight through a screen. But, I mean, I've fought through some screens before, too, when I'm pissed off and I have my arm fully extended and somebody comes into me and I'm at, like, the bottom of the throat, you know, and I I give them a little jab, you know, and it's like you're ticked off or whatever and you want to fight. Yeah, you want to fight through the screen, but you give somebody a little extra, you know. And so hey, you, used to, you used to pester people. Who was that guy that signed uh, to play tight end at Georgia? 
I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember his uh, Trent. Uh, I do remember his name. Something Ch- Trent Chandler or something like that. But he played tight end at UGA, and I used to pinch the back of his arms because it pissed him off, you know. And like, <laughs> and, you know, like if you pinch the very back of somebody's triceps, it hurts really badly. Like, try it right now if you're listening. Try pinching the very back of your triceps. It hurts really badly. And I used to do this to this guy. He was like 6'8", 250. And I was like 6'3", like 150 when I was a senior in, in high school. And I would pinch the back of his arms. And he like elbowed me in the face a couple of times and all this kind of stuff. But he said, if you ever effing do that again to me one more time, I'll, like I'll knock your head off or something. But I kept kind of doing it at him. Uh, but anyway, nonetheless, you know, you do stuff because it's – Part of it's flow of the game, Powell, but you know, I want to ask you too. Does that did did that change the momentum? I'm not saying that completely changed the momentum, but did it get them riled up because it didn't get called? Like, okay, now we're back in this thing mentally or something. I, I don't know. I just felt like that was a big point in the game for me. I actually thought that I, I honestly thought that was actually about to hurt Iowa because they had sort of already started making the run and they had cut it down to like thirteen or fifteen points. And I really thought they were going to get that guy with just with a foul, and it may break their momentum. But then when they called the double foul, it was just, you know, it's sort of like nothing happened. And then they went back to playing basketball. So I don't really think it affected the game all that much. But I just – I don't know how that can – that play can be just overlooked. And – I mean, that was kind of the start of like a lot of the bad calls that went that didn't go our way. Now, you know, I'm not. We didn't. The, they didn't come back on us because the refs helped them. Yeah, you know, they didn't. But the but the refs made quite a few questionable calls, and none of them went our way. It seemed like. Yeah, that three pointer was terrible. So I'll ask you this: um, ask you, Power or Priest, even. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to be a, a box score person here and look through the box score and see what the heck you know maybe they shot from fire from three or something or whatever i'm seeing a, a few you know a little discrepancy in free throws but i really feel like it was you know and we kind of talked about it earlier is the turnovers right we didn't turn the ball over in the first half we turned it over i don't know if you guys can get the stat for the second half but i feel like that's that's the game right there if we turn the ball over half as many times we went by 10 points you know going away do you, I mean, what do you guys think? Well, I agree. I mean, they we just <laughs> – there was just a malaise on the team uh, there in the second half. They, they just – I understand what they were trying to do, but they may have come away from this a little bit feeling like, well, you know, this that's just really not our personality. We're not great at that. I mean, if we're playing a, a, a game – where that's what both teams are doing, then fine. But, you know, as long as we're still passing and attacking and driving to the basket and doing all these things to make the other team play defense, we weren't really making them play defense the way we were in the first half. And uh, I think that's what what really made a significant difference. And um, because of some of the silly plays that we made, we, we were talking about this earlier. I was saying when you look at Tennessee – Rick Barnes talks about this during the year, and you can see this with Auburn. Auburn shoots a tremendous number of shots more than the other team. I think Powell was saying before we got on, they shot something like 20 more shots than we did. And part of that is their rebounding. 
but a good bit of it is that they have they were playing really great defense again against Auburn. Our team was beat up emotionally, I believe, and and physically we just weren't there uh, after the previous win over Kentucky the previous day. But you know we were we were making some mistakes, but they were showing great hands and a lot of their stuff that they were getting these fast breaks and extra shots like crazy. And that allows you to have more freedom to shoot for three because maybe your percentage is not as high as shooting twos, but you're getting long rebounds and you can afford some of the extra misses because you're getting such, you're doing volume shooting compared to the other team. And these things make a big difference in a game. And real quickly, just sorry to interrupt your point, but we did have five turnovers in the first half as compared to 12 in the second half. So seven. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that because of that, I mean, part that, of that was our poor possessions in the second half. It's just terrible. Part of, that was, part of that was our poor offense. Part of that maybe was their defense, but I think most of it was just our bad offense. But because of that, those turnovers, obviously they – do you have a stat in there about how many points they scored off turnovers? I mean, if you give me like 30 seconds on mute, I can maybe find it. (laughs) Well, they scored a bunch of their points on turnovers and Tennessee has done best when they have their intensity. It's amazing. This was a tale of three games. You had the first half of Tennessee that looked like the Tennessee that we all love and, and was number one. Then you have the second half which would look like the Colgate part two. And then we have overtime. Hey, we're back to Tennessee again. This is pretty cool. So that's, I'll, I'll jump in here. That That's my biggest problem with this team. I'm never going to take a win for granted. Don't get me wrong, listeners that are, are hearing this, because I know half the board will call me out. Um, but, but what I'm going to say is that this team is so Jekyll and Hyde, and they have been for, what, since they really – but since they started playing tough competition, probably after that first Kentucky game, th- they kind of fell into this rhythm where they personally, I think they believe they have a switch and they can turn it on and turn it off whenever they want. And if they turn it off, okay, well, we can turn it back on and we'll win because they did it against lesser competition earlier in the year where they were a little sloppy, but they picked it back up. Admiral hit a three or Grant did a big dunk or Pons jumped through the ceiling and it gave a jolt and then they ran off with it. it today. It almost cost them. And you, you don't get up by 25 points and then come out in the second half that flat and just really, really look that bad. If you're fully into that game, you, you can't tell me being up 21 that they came out of the second half with the same intensity that they did at the start of the game because they knew they played bad against Colgate. So they're like, okay, we come out fast. Well, they did. They went then the under eight hit under eight timeout hit. So then they went back, kind of slowed them down, changed some personnel up. Pons came in, double dribbled, took Pons out, um, which his new hairstyle, by the way, is pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> and then the second half, it just a couple things didn't go their way. Uh, Admiral gets a foul on him, gives him three. He's got to go sit down. It, their focus just wasn't there. And I don't know what it is, but I, I, it, it bewilders me to the point of we're watching the game. My wife was like, wow, this game has gotten out of hand really fast. You guys could win by 40. And I said, don't worry about it. I said, this team will 
turn it down a little bit. They'll slow it down. I said, and then I will come back and get it within at least eight, which they did even more than that and took us to overtime. So it's it's the fact that, that this team can only go so far. And this is not a hate on these the young guys that play on here. They're great, great kids. But this is an elite eight talent team. There's no NBA stars on here. I mean, Admiral may pay, play a year or two. But you're going to get an elite eight team. To get to the final four and to get into the championship, you're going to have to coach these kids to play above their head, yep. which they can, but only for a half. And that's the problem. That's what's going to hurt them in this tournament if they don't realize it or find the dog in them again. But that's my soapbox, and I'll let someone else have a diatribe. No, that's that's a good point. I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree. And you and I have talked about this a little bit, Priest. You know, and we, I think you can go back in the archives and see – we all want this team to win the national championship, but if you look at it, we've I've said kind of elite eight is is the the ceiling here. Doesn't mean they're, they're a bad team. I feel like they've been fairly well coached throughout the whole season. You know, you look at the entire body of work, thirty one and five. But we're at you know tournament time, Powell. I'll, I'll run this to you. Um, you know, where do they kind of go from here? You know, is their ceiling elite eight? Do you think that they're done in in the Sweet Sixteen? Do you think they'll be able to get by Purdue? Um, what changes need to be made, I guess, uh, you know, if you think about what priest just said, gosh, you know, and I kind of tend to agree here. They don't really have, you know, Alexander's falling off. Everybody was saying he was an NBA caliber player. Bone is kind of falling off. Everybody said he's going to go pro after this year. You know, you've got Williams, two time sec player of the year kind of falls off, gets in foul trouble every, every once in a while. And then you have Schofield who didn't even play at the end of the game. Uh, and I know, that, I know that's a lot, but just I'm just trying to kind of frame it up for you. As as far as talent wise, I I do agree. I do agree with Priest about where we are talent wise. We are a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight talent. But I will say this: there's been a lot of teams playing a Final Four that had a whole lot less talent than we do now. Because just because of the way how you're playing, the way games fall, the matchups, all that stuff. So. I definitely think we can get there, but we can't have halves like we did this afternoon. We can't have that happen anymore. I mean, that's not, you know, the rest of the teams we play, I saw, actually, this is, this is pretty interesting that if Virginia wins tonight, that 14 of the 16 teams left in the turn in the sweet 16 are actually ranked in the top 14 of the AP poll. So from here on out, you're playing all top 15 teams. And so you're, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get a weak team anymore. And so you can't have, you can't take halves off. Right. Right. No, I, I get it. And it's, it's, and I think somebody made a thread as well. Like, okay, well, you know, maybe it'll be good for Tennessee to be an underdog and be in those orange jerseys versus those white jerseys, right? When you're the lower seed. I mean, you're the two seed, so they won't be it until if they potentially play Virginia. But, um, you know, maybe they do need that kind of underdog mentality again where they're under the radar. But, you know, the second half of the season, they haven't been that. And they've they've been matched up against some good teams that are ready to, to fight and to play them. And, um you know, sometimes they've performed and, you know, looking at the Kentucky games and things like that. And then sometimes they haven't. So 
I, I think part of its matchups as well. But you know, to your point, Paul, I, I do want to kind of go back to this real quickly. You know, outside of do the do the players, I I think that we don't have the talent to be a to match up with some of these NBA ready type players. I don't think we have players on this team that are going to have, you know, a 10, 15 year career in the NBA. I'm probably wrong because I'm an amateur, but we have the opportunity to speak our opinion here. (laughs) And I never thought Alexander was an NBA player. A lot of people did. I never thought he was. And he is just absolutely falling off the face of this earth. And it's like, where is this guy gone? You know, same with bone. He's really just kind of, I mean, he's made some, again, made some good plays in over, overtime, things like that, but not very good defensively. Like, they're putting Lamonte Turner out there on defense for a reason. And then some of our other studs, I mean, they're kind of up and down here and there. But, Pal, I want to ask you real quickly, are we – is this what we're going to do against Purdue is try to keep the same game plan, do what we do, or are we going to try to do a pace a pace and space kind of game and change it up? Because, I hope we don't do that. Yeah, you know, I hope we don't do that. We just need to – I just thought, I felt like like in the second half today, it's almost like we were micromanaged a little bit. Like we were a little bit robotic. Like we were we almost looked scared to make a mistake at times instead of just playing basketball. I completely Go agree ahead. with that, pal. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point because in that offense runs through the point guard, even though it should run through Grant underneath, it runs through Bone, and you can tell that they have a play set up. And he can have a wide open lane and he dribbles around to try to get back out to set up the shot. And it's, it's, and it's like they're, they've, they know that they could be, I won't say that they're going to get pulled if they take a really ugly shot because Rick's going to let them shoot if they get an open shot. But you're right. They, they look timid to just do their own thing when they get on the fast break. Now they didn't do that in the first half though. And look what it, look what it did. Mm-hmm. Well, I, yeah, think, I think you're right. I mean, the thing is, it's a mentality thing. I think they get to the point where they're trying to limit the risky stuff that they're doing. Um, and there's there's a fine line between sometimes just being stupid uh, and then playing aggressively. And uh, what happens, I think, with this team is they lost some of their aggression, aggression by trying to play smart. And that that's probably what hurt them. I, I don't know. You know, this team has won the last two games now at the end of the game. And I do think that they believe in themselves. They believe that they can win. Somebody's going to step up. Um, I hope it doesn't become a habit. Uh, Earlier in the year when we're playing Kansas and Gonzaga, what we did see in those games was consistently a high level of play throughout the entire game as far as our intensity level. And and we showed, you know, a pretty good intensity level against Kentucky. There were some times when we went drive in our shooting, but we fought them throughout the game until the very end and we ended up winning. Um, but that kind of intensity level is something that they're going to have to maintain against some of the other higher level teams. Now, Powell, to your point, this idea of running the court, making the other team play defense and wearing them out is a good point, And that's outstanding. But one of the problems for Tennessee potentially now is how deep is our bench really? What kind of production are we getting off these guys on the bench? We can't have, um, you know, Grant and um, uh, Admiral playing, you know, 40 minutes a game. <laughs> you know, we've got to 
we've got to have an opportunity for people to come into the game. And some of this may be uh, slow down, maybe helping our guys a little bit as well, too, as long as they keep their same mental aggressiveness. Uh, I mean, these are all just things that really come down to feel of a coach and even the players themselves. And I think some of this is evidenced by at the end of that game, you know, Admiral's not in the game. Well, why are you not in the game? Well, Admiral says, I got four fouls and we need somebody who can defend. Now we can talk about Alexander, but the guy had a pretty good number of rebounds. He wasn't there, you know, to score a lot of points. What do you have? Nine rebounds in the game and the impact of the game in other ways. Kyle says, uh, our Admiral saying, I don't, I don't think I need to be in the game. We need Kyle right now. I got foul, four fouls on me, and I'm not going to be able to defend and, and be that rim protector that we need uh, at this point. So I want Kyle to finish out this game. Now, you, you know, you're talking about the dog on the team. Yeah, that, I'll be that guy that asked this. Do you guys really think that Admiral took himself out of that game, or was he told to sit down? Yeah, he I don't know himself that out of that game. Yeah, I don't think he took himself out of the game. I, I I don't, but I think that he, as far as initially, but I mean, what what he is saying, and I, you know, is that I said, Coach, we need Kyle in there right now. To, you know, and, and that's what Barnes is saying was, well, you know, the guys who have the best feel for what's happening on the court are the guys who are on the court. Um, I don't think this was a conspiracy or anything contrived. I think that's just a decision that was made. Now, from a fan standpoint, and this is what this is a fan podcast, right? So, from a fan standpoint, I want Admiral out there, you know. But that's something. Apparently, these guys actually was. I'll, I'll be the other side of it. I was actually fine with him not being in there because um, I was, you know, not super happy with the way that he chucked up a shot with. 20 seconds left on the shot clock at the end of the game. So I thought the guys that they had out there were fine. I mean, yeah, I, I mean that's, that's, great what I was in, that's what I was implying. Like, yeah. I think that shot cost him playing the last seconds. He may have said the right things at the end of the game of, well, we, we wanted Kyle out there, but he probably was told, well, you're not going back out there because of the God awful shot you just took. So it's time to sit down. Right. Yeah. It, that, it was a terrible shot. Like, and that's a harsh lesson to, to give somebody like, Hey, you're not going to go in for the rest of the game. You're a senior. This is your potential last game ever playing. And you're going to sit on the bench because you took a stupid shot with 20 seconds left <laughs> on the shot clock. All right. It's All like, right, sure. I, we were up in Nashville last time. So you're going to have to come down here to Atlanta for the gate 21. Okay. <laughs> but uh, just bring, so I will bring, bring your, uh, bring your green wig that you picked up in Nashville. And we'll have some fun. <laughs> you got it, brother. Um, hey, uh, no, I, I will say that I don't think that there's any doubt that, that uh, Barnes pulled Admiral from the game because of that three-point shot. But I don't think that Rick Barnes on his own would make a decision to keep Admiral out of the entire overtime. You know, it's one thing to pull a guy and say, hey, dude, you know better than that. Let's not do that anymore. And have him sit for a minute and put him back in. But to have him out for the entire overtime – you know, this is this is the NCAA championships. You don't you don't take your dog out of the game just to prove a point. You you want to win ball games now. So I don't know. Yeah. I, I and even him being in overtime too. That if if you're going to pull him, okay, pull him for the last few seconds. 
But he has four fouls. I mean, if he fouls out, you're going to go to the option that you played the whole time anyway. So if you felt comfortable right. with that, you should feel comfortable with him going in and risking getting that fifth foul. I so agree. I, I don't know. I don't know the reason why he didn't play in overtime. It worked out. Um, he was pretty ecstatic to, to continue on when he jumped onto the court after they won. And, and Grant, you know, kudos to him to for, you know, putting the team on his back again, making the shots necessary. And, and you know, I think he finished with 19 points and seven rebounds, but um, he got his and they, they won. That's I mean, that we all four can sit here and say, you know, we can, you know, nitpick as, as we've done. But, you know, a win's a win. You survive, you advance. But for them to continue to survive in advance, there's some things that need to be cleaned up. Well, yeah. Going I, back to I, the, go ahead. Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, okay. Go, just going back to the Admiral thing, it's just hard for me to believe that the guy who he, – he, as much as anybody on that team, wants to be that guy to take that shot to win the game. He's done it many a times. He's taken the tough shot. Not to say that there's other guys that would that we have guys scared to take that shot. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that. But he, the mentality that he has is he wants to be the hero. I just feel this way. He wants to be the hero. He wants to be the guy who wins the game. That guy is that the guy who want the guy who wants to be in that position is not going to take themselves out of a game to play another player. They don't. People don't think that way when you're, mm-hmm. when when you're as competitive as he is. You just don't think that way. I just, I, I just, I don't. I just ain't buying it. Well, maybe you know, maybe Coach Barnes thought he had five fouls and had already fouled out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I I don't. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a tough thing. I you know you'd love to quiz him again on it. Um, and I, I guess the only ones who really know are Coach Barnes and Admiral. But um, th- there's another part of that, too, as I was talking about the players and the feel of the game and situational things that arise. And clearly what happened in that overtime is Grant Williams decided to take that team on his shoulders and mm-hmm. take them to the promised land of the Sweet 16. And they didn't really need Admiral out there. And it could be that Admiral is thinking, you know, the way we need to defend right now, um, I don't want to be sending somebody to the free throw line. I think that that Kyle's going to be more effective in the middle of creating a presence there than I will create out on the court. And the fact of the matter is that if Admiral had to go in, Admiral would have gone in. Fortunately, we took control of that thing and and really controlled the overtime period completely where they didn't need Admiral to go in the game. So there's the other part of that is, you know, you look at all this stuff about when this guy's in the game, were we plus one or minus five and all that kind of stuff? We, we were actually rolling along pretty well. And I didn't see watching this on, on, you know, after the fact, I couldn't see any compelling reason for Admiral to have been in there because we were clicking pretty well without him. Yeah, we definitely took it to him in, in the overtime. But uh, I was trying to look up some of the stats on on ESPN on the turnovers. That was one of the things we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier. But I know we had t- they had two points off of turnovers in the first half, so it must have been some crazy number when you had 12 turnovers in the second half. So I know that's kind of derailing the conversation. But do we want to talk a little bit about how Tennessee can beat Purdue? 
I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch the Purdue game. They had a guy that scored 42 points. Everybody was freaking out about, you know, is he going to do the same kind of thing like Burns did to us at Colgate? Or, you know, do you think we'll be able to handle them? I think it's a good matchup for Tennessee. I think we've got the the guys, but they cannot have this Jekyll and Hyde like we've talked about where they do well in one half and they, you know, do terrible. Because what happens if we come out there, they punch us in the mouth and, you know, you get up by 10 and then it becomes a blowout in the second half. We just, you know, that's happened at Kentucky before. Um, You know, that's happened against Auburn in the neutral court and, you know, when it was actually kind of a home court for Tennessee. So it's like, gosh, are we going to have the same thing happen to us, you know, against Purdue? I don't think so. They, they guarded the three ball much better today than they have, uh, you know, they have recently. And that's, we've been harping on some stuff, but I'll give, you know, defense was really good today, especially in the first half, even in the second half, when it was a little sloppy, they still weren't giving those wide open three looks. Iowa had them and they didn't take them because there was somebody that would that was able to break through and make up without shoving someone across the court um, <laughs> to break through a screen. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, I think from a three point shooting or a shooter that's going to put up 42, I think that's kind of be hard to do against this defense. Um, I, I like the way they match up against Purdue. I actually think that this is like probably their last evenly matched talent wise and, and skill set that they're going to see before they get to the elite eight. Cause I think they will get to the elite eight. I think they can be Purdue. Um, but they, they, they have to be consistent. It, they don't need to don't come out blowing at the doors off and get up by 20, you know, go into halftime up by six, win by four, call it a day. Don't, there's no need to add to the, right. the dramatic, the dramatics of it that March madness is just go out, handle your business Call it a day. Get ready to go to a new city. I'm I'm here with twenty in my hand. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm curious too. I'm kind of looking at some of the the stats of the guys on the team uh, for Purdue, and you know that the Edwards guy. I mean, obviously he's averaging over twenty a game, and but he he doesn't shoot that great of a percentage. And and against Villanova, he was on fire, obviously, but. I think if we can keep him under maybe 45% shooting, I don't know if that's a, t- a tall task, but if we can, I think we've got a good shot that keeps him kind of under his averages. But you can't let these other guys go off. Like you can't have that that center that they have, the harms guy. You know, he scored a number of points and had a bunch of easy dunks when they played Villanova, and he just kept getting pumped up and fired up. We You can't let these other guys, you know, go off. So um, who do you think is, you know, and I'll ask you, Bleed Orange, who do you think is the, the key to – to this game against Purdue in the Sweet 16? Oh, God. Um, you know, the thing is, you would like your leaders to lead. I thought it was one of the really big things in this game today was Admiral came out knocking down threes. That was certainly good to see. And he wasn't just taking, you know, again, we get back to this thing about not wanting to take too many threes. But uh, he was lining up and he was nailing his threes, and that was really good to see. So you'd like to see Admiral come out strong. He's, I mean, we know who our keys are. You know, we, you got Bone, Admiral, and Grant. Those are three key guys. Um, we've we've got to keep um, we got to keep Kyle out of foul trouble. I mean, we just don't have a well developed deep bench. I mean, who are we going to go to? We've got Bowden and Fulkerson. Who else has done anything? 
I mean, nobody. Yeah. Nobody has. No, new new hairstyle ponds hasn't done anything. So I was really yeah. hoping that would fix him. Exactly. I was thinking maybe if they pulled his hair back, he could see better. He would last longer, you know, through the defensive shift. But nope, still the same old guy. He hasn't with- done anything. He hasn't done anything, but he still has to play four or five minutes at least a game, though. You know, oh, yeah. We, we don't have any choices. And, you know, and I actually thought he played pretty good defense um, today. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you know, the, and like um, the Purdue game, he's actually he, – he could be an advantage because athletically he's going to be more athletic probably than the people he's guarding. And so he can help you there. He's got to be smart. We can't have any turnovers. I mean, he had a hit at turnover today. I think Priest, you already mentioned it. It almost looked like he kind of got caught at in a weird step or something, maybe. And he, well, I think, I th- yeah, he got it, and he was wide open. And I think he was yeah. thinking of, oh, my God, I'm about to break my cold streak with this monster dunk and put it on the ground with both hands. And yeah. they called him for the walk. And I was like, oh, so close, my friend. Ugh. Yeah, it was it was coming because he, yeah, you could, uh, he was going to be wide open for a dunk right there. And, but, I mean, <laughs> I'm sort of surprised Ferguson didn't play more today. Yeah. Um, I don't think he got a ton of minutes, did he? Did he? Oh, he maybe, got nine he, minutes. Okay, well, that's more than I thought he did. But um, do you guys think we see a know, Jalen Johnson siding against Purdue? Since if they if they have shooters, I mean, I'd, I'd take it. I mean, I'm, you know. I, I'm I'm fine with that. But the way we rotate players, you know, and I understand game to game that. You know, you scheme your players' rotation game to game. But the way they have used – the way we have used some of our backup players this year has been kind of weird. Like, um, I believe the Mississippi the – Mississippi, I can't remember if Mississippi State or Ole Miss game, Jalen Johnson came in, and he scored like seven or eight points and yeah. looked really good. And then they commented during the game that Barnes said, like the Thursday before the game, he had his best practice he had ever had at Tennessee – and he was he earned his playing time, and then the next game he plays like a minute. Yeah, he didn't and, even get in in against Iowa today. That's that's. I mean, I know, Walker I know, I know. Walker got three. Yeah, and he looked a little lost. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I don't know the the Jalen Johnson deal right there at the end of the season was weird. I mean, I thought he was about to start getting some playing time. And he played really well, and then all of a sudden he disappeared again. So, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. You, um, you know how we were all talking about how Lamonte needed to stop playing as many minutes? He played 41 minutes today. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to – I mean, I <laughs> – But yeah, that dude didn't get no. tired. His, de- his defense was just as good at the end of the game as it was at the start of the game. He was all over that dude. Right. Uh, yeah, he was. Now, he, 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 had a, he had a quickness advantage. Don't get me wrong. He probably had a little – he may even had a little bit of a height advantage. I don't know. Lamontagne's not real tall, but the other guy wasn't either. But he was eating – was that Bohannon he was guarding? Yeah. Okay, yeah. He yeah, it, stuff. yeah, he was really frustrating, that dude. And um, Is he going to be able to do the same with Edwards, do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Edwards' stats. Gosh, goodness gracious, 40 points, 36, 38. I mean, this guy can score. I, I think I think Turner can I think Turner can guard him. Now I don't I don't need Turner to go down and try to shoot like him, but right. I think yeah. Turner can guard him pretty well enough to keep him in, at his average. I don't think he'll go off for forty two. Yeah, he he, it, he looks like he's it got may be, range. Uh, 
it may be like you it's kind of as far as gardening it may be kind of by committee by two or three players maybe um maybe you don't keep Lamonte on him the whole time sometimes you can put Bowden on him uh maybe you have to put Bone on him sometimes maybe even Ponds can guard him some you know I, I was gonna say can Schofield guard him is he too is he too quick twitch he's for six Schofield one. he's six one two hundred but I just think he's a volume shooter from what I'm seeing I mean the guy Last year shot 46%, the year before 38, this year 38 again. I just think he chucks it up, man. They need somebody that throws up, <laughs> throws the ball up in the air. So if we can have somebody that's like on his hip constantly, I mean, I think we got a good chance at it. Might be wrong. Hey, they ball and we ball, we're going to play basketball. We'll see who wins and wants it most, right? As long as you're wearing that green hat. <laughs> we were uh, just – just kind of talking about the the game today, we was talking um, just about the fouls or whatever, or just just some of the weird calls. Um, the breakaway layup that Lamonte had, like right at the first of the game, and the guy literally tackles him. Yeah. And they didn't call, and they didn't, and nothing was called at all on that. That was that was even weirder to me than the push offs. Just because there's, there are two guys out there by themselves, and he literally takes him to the ground while he's dribbling, and they don't call anything. They they kind of made up for it though on that Alexander dunk foul, yeah. Because that 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 guy really didn't foul him hard. Um, I mean, he kind of he bumped him from behind, but um, I don't. Kyle did a really good job of falling gracefully after that dunk to to yeah. to keep that foul on. And um, Grant Williams, his second foul was when I think there was a rebound and it was a kick back out to uh, Admiral and he hit a three kind of in a corner. But the there was a there was an Iowa player that fell down that was like laying on the ground for several seconds before they ever blew the whistle. And Admiral's shot was like halfway there when the guy yeah. blew the whistle and caught a foul on Grant. Was that Cook? Was that Cook underneath yes. when he like yes. hip checked him, and and but it wasn't like a true foul. They just collided. Yeah, awkwardly. yeah, it was just going after a rebound, and they hit each other, and he falls and lays on the ground for, I mean, long enough for us to get the rebound and, and or the ball. I don't know if we rebounded it. I don't know how the admiral ends up with the ball, but somehow or another it goes back out to him, and he shoots a three. And then yeah. half, when you know the ball's in the air halfway there, they call a foul. And there was there was nothing there. I mean, nothing at all. But I thought that I mean, really, I thought they were like stopping the play because there's a guy laying on the ground injured under the basket. That's why I thought they were stopping the play. Did, did they call? Was that when they called the three second violation? That's when they. That's what it was. That's what they was. They called three seconds. Yes. And that. Yeah that ball. that whole that whole situation was the weirdest five to six second play of the mm-hmm. of they've played in a while just because dude was laying there wasn't moving in the lane and then grant i think he was like on grant's foot so grant couldn't mm-hmm. go and then they called we all i'm like you pal i thought they called a foul but they called a three second violation yeah that's right which is because the guy was hurt i don't know but I'll, either. I'll ask you guys not to lead us down a complete rabbit hole but I've watched a lot of basketball. I've never seen, and I could be wrong here, 
players talk to the refs or call themselves for fouls and like, yeah, good call, man. Good call. Are like Admiral and Grant do like they own up to their fouls. I've watched Duke this year. I've watched UNC, some really great teams. None of the other, none of those players are like, Oh yeah, that was my foul. Like they, they try to become buddies or then they're like, Oh, well I didn't get this call. I don't know if they're trying to game it, but it isn't working. Just play. But that it could isn't be working me. and you're right. Yeah. They talk to the, they either, either on, on any foul call, whether it's on them or if it's on somebody guarding them or whatever, they're always talking to, or even a no call, yeah. they're always talking to the refs. And I don't, you know, but I think they talk way too much to them. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. What are they talking to them about? Because there, there could be times as an athlete that called, and they have to check in with the referee to find out what it was, what they saw. And, uh, you know, because these referees call these games, I, I don't doubt sometimes they're, they're, they're maybe, you know, talking to the referee. Maybe they're saying, yeah, you know, come on, man, you, you need to see the film or something. I don't know. But there are times when athletes will check with the referees to find out what the call was so they can understand it and how they're calling the game. Oh, yeah, I, I completely get that. I mean, I ask umpire, like, was it low outside? Like, why'd you call it? But right. it just seems like it just seems it's like if, if <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, they could just be. But it's kind of crazy because you'll watch Grant. He'll he'll get a foul and he'll get upset because he got called for a foul. And he'll He's walk usually over yelling whichever. at his teammate. You should have been over here. That's what he does. Yeah, first. and and then and then and then he'll walk to the ref and then he'll try to be buddy buddy to get the next call. Which, I mean, just stop talking, man, and just play. Right. Yeah, you know, I I agree because I like I was complaining kind of midway in the season about how Grant was just yapping all the time and stuff as far as complaining about calls and but it's really becoming I don't, he's not necessarily complaining about calls but now he's turned it into hey Mr. Ref Mr. Ref no uh like he wants to know why he was called for a foul and you know what he can do better and all these kinds of things and it's like dude just go freaking play the game like the spotlight's on you. People know you're the guy. People know you're the leader. Like you don't have to be yapping at the referees the whole time. So, you know, it's, that's one thing I think. And the other one too, my, my other point around every single time there's a dead ball. Like if, if Williams goes up and maybe passes to someone and then they get fouled or something, he's like yelling at the guy. He's like pointing at, he's having to coach everybody on the court. And it's like, these guys you don't need to be the coach every single time. You don't need to be yelling at somebody every single play. I don't know. That that seemed to – because I, I played with people that were like that and you feel like they don't trust you at all. And I know a lot of them say that they do trust each other. But maybe that's a whole part of this thing too is maybe some of these guys feel like they don't trust them anymore. Like if they pass them the ball or something like a Pons, maybe he doesn't feel like the team doesn't – you know, they, they don't trust them. Or Fulkerson, you know, everybody's like, oh, they – Fulkerson can't catch a pass, right? So what does he think his teammates think? I, maybe I'm grasping straws here, but that's something I've seen. You know, you're already getting chewed out by your coach all the time, and it's like, you know, now you got Williams and Schofield yapping at you every single play. So I, I don't know. I think it's a little too much. Well, one thing, too, I was going to throw in is that, uh, honestly, there is an article. I don't know if you guys have seen that. that uh, From Rob Lewis? No, I haven't seen it. Uh, there's an article that was put out on on, the, on Just kidding, we love you, Rob. I know. Hard pass on his article, right? Um, yes. But uh, the uh, that 
uh, Lamonte and uh, Admiral were both adamant with Barnes that they felt like Kyle was the best play at the end of that game. And apparently Barnes was Barnes was saying he's going to put him in. I decided to just trust the players. This is what they said they wanted, including Admiral. Admiral was adamant about it, and that's what they did. Now, it is incredible knowing what a competitor he is that he wasn't putting himself back into that game, but he also <laughs> I, – I now understand why when he was interviewed at the end and Grant was also talking about how he wanted Kyle in the game instead of himself, Admiral saying, I want to win. I'm about winning. And as a competitor, I want to win. And I'm a team guy. That That's pretty, pretty amazing. And that is what sort of puts a stamp on what this team has been all about. And uh, one reason why we have seen them grow the way they have and why we all love this team, because we love their selflessness um, in their play. I might be a little, a little, you was talking about the interview at the end of the game in I went back and watched that interview a couple times, and maybe I'm, you know, picking out a scab. I don't know. But as far as me having a hard time believing Admiral actually took himself out of the game and decided to sit it out, if you go back and look at that interview when Grant Williams walked up and he started talking and he mentioned something about Admiral, um, Admiral decided to keep or to put um, – uh, what's his name, man? Um, he, like, um, Grant looked at Admiral, like, with a weird look on his face, almost like, did I say that right? Or something like that. It's almost like you could tell he uh, he didn't believe what he was saying or something. Yeah, I don't know. I just got, I just got, did you, I don't, I don't know if you all saw that, but he just had a weird expression on his face, almost like he was trying to get his story straight. And like I said, I'm, I'm overreacting here. I'm sure I am. But that was just a weird sequence. Them interviewing Admiral, I thought, was kind of weird. Just the first person they interviewed was him, was the guy who didn't even play the whole last five and a half minutes of the game. <laughs> so, Admiral, how do you think you guys closed the game? Well, I don't really know. Um, Look good from over here. Chill it. Yeah, we, we won. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I... I, we may be overthinking this just a little bit because there's so many people going on record singing the same story. And I don't think that there's any reason to, uh, I don't think Admiral took himself out of the game. I think that was Barnes, but Barnes himself is saying he was going to put him in. This is the culture that we have. These are the kids that we have. They're telling me they think Kyle should be on the court. So I left him on the court to see what happened. Now, if Kyle didn't, perform and the team wasn't doing well, then Kyle would have come out. I, I don't think Admiral would have stayed on the ground. But I mean, why else would Barnes not put his Admiral in the game? I mean, he, he's not going to take him out just because he shot a three-point shot that he didn't like and not put him back in for the overtime. You know, there had to be some other thing going on, in my view, that would have kept him on the bench. And that was Admiral and other players telling Barnes, hey, this is what we think is the best play. And he let it play out to see how it worked, and it did. Yeah, no, it's – I think it, want to be able to sleep tonight, pal. I want you to feel good about yourself. I know, pal. Let's get – what else do we have in there, pal? What else do we have in there, my friend? <laughs> let it, let it, let it. 
I think there's still something about the pace of the game that really upsets you. The pace of the bone. Pace of the game, yes. And maybe yes. I'm wrong. I don't know. You tell me, but I feel like there's something else that's in there that we didn't that we need to get out. Or take an air out of the ball. Yeah, I mean, like, yes. so you know. All right, so you and I will kind of round up the discussion here. You and I had a conversation yesterday about, especially in the Colgate game, that. You know, they got up 12 or whatever the number was, and they wanted to, you know, to your point, kind of take the air out of the ball and and run the clock and try to shorten the game and all that kind of stuff, and that it played into the hands of the, the teams that were down. And my idea was, my, my you know, premise was that the, the team, their offense is more like an Alabama football team, right? Ground and pound you and wear you out and all that kind of stuff, not a space and pace um, type offense where it's, work the ball around, space it out, shoot threes and all that. It's, it's really predicated upon executing on offense and they just weren't freaking executing. But, you know, how does this team, you know, where did they kind of fall short in your in your mind around the, the pace of it? Um, because, you know, in the half court, they really just didn't seem like the team that they, you know, had been for 30 plus games. I'll let you go yeah. with your own thoughts on everything where, where they messed up and where they need to do better. And then I'll enter, I'll interrupt you. <laughs> Go ahead. My, my whole, my whole deal with that was I just, I don't understand why you would change what you're doing. We got up by 25 because we were, because we were pushing the ball and, and we really, I mean, Iowa could not play with us while, you know, with our pace of the game. They couldn't, it, you know, it was just, they're not built for that. And for whatever reason, we go to this small ball with that, which played perfectly into their hands. And we did the same thing against Colgate. And we, many times this year during a regular season, we had many a games where we would get up, we would come out of the gate on fire. And when we're rocking and rolling, all of a sudden we just, slow down we start working the ball around we quit being aggressive and next thing you know the, the other team's right back in it and i don't i don't i just don't understand priest can you do you have any thoughts on why we do this i mean it's happened it's not just today it's happened a lot no it, it it's happened for a while that tennessee falls into you never want to fall into the game of your opponent you want to set the pace. You want to play your game because that's what you do. That's how you win. But here lately, you, you said it yourself. Like I mean, they have fallen victim to when they played Auburn, for example. They're jacking up threes, trying to keep up. It's not their game. With Colgate, they just slowed it down. Today, they slowed it down because they were up by 21. So they could. They, did, they didn't feel they needed to, to press or they didn't feel like they needed to, to run – you know, bone a mile, mile a minute down the court through transition. But I don't know. I don't know why they, they play into the competition um, or into that game. It It's frustrating watching because you can see it coming. If someone hits a couple threes, I can guarantee you Schofield or Turner is going to jack up a three within the next two possessions just to try to match it. Well, yeah. one there is one dynamic here that – uh, we haven't talked about in this process is that uh, even with Colgate, and I talked about some with, with my son here, 
is that they started changing their defenses also. And they were responding to what they were seeing out there on the court. And some teams will do that. Uh, they'll start going. Uh, Colgate was running some interesting looking zone kind of thing, you know, whether it's a 2 3 or a 3 2. They're doing a little bit of a matchup, but they were really sagging uh, and trying to clog up the middle, almost like a, man to, a, a sagging man to man defense. And they were, you know, sometimes when you're playing somebody like Tennessee or another great team, if they're a three-point team, you want to try and guard the three-point line and make them, you know, beat you inside. If they're, um, you know, another type of team like with Tennessee, they feel like, well, okay, we want to shut down Grant Williams and we shut down their offense. So we're going to try and clog up the middle. When you clog up the middle, that also uh, creates issues for your guards when they're trying to break uh, and, and drive the lane. Now you've got their bigs in there, and there are several times that we've gone in, even today, where we got blocked a couple of times, and it happened with Colgate as well, where we're overextending and doing too much and, and getting blocked as we went down the lane because that's where everybody was. Um, so those are all things that, that impact the ebb and flow of a game, and, and Colgate was good because they changed around their defenses some, and it, it's not something that necessarily confused Tennessee but there were some things that they did that way that just changed the way that Tennessee had to operate on offense. I don't know if they were as quick as they needed to be to recognize it, uh, but that's had some of how what you're talking about driving into the lane and pulling out um, instead of forcing it and trying to sh throw up a, a layup over a 6'11 guy uh, <laughs> or, or another 6'10 guy or whatever they – they pull it back out to get a better shot. Um, so there, there are several dynamics that affect the ebb and flows of these games. And it was kind of, and in fact, I don't know, maybe Rob made the comment about Colgate, how they, they uh, went from man to uh, zone, and it took them a little while to figure that out. And so these, these things affect how the Vols are playing on offense as well. They may have been switching up defenses from like a three-two to a three-two-three. You know they were, but their 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 main goal was to pack it in, and not let any any action inside, and which is extremely smart. I mean that's you know that's what I would do to us, uh, make us shoot threes because we're not a team that just lights it up out there, and so the game plan was perfect. But you as a as a coach on the Tennessee side, you can't just say, okay, we're, we're going to take what you give us and try to beat you that way, especially with a team that is um, under-athletic or not as athletic as you are. When our, we have the fastest, you know, one of the best point guards in the country, one of the fastest point guards in the country, there's, there's no reason why we don't, in that situation, get the ball and take off running with it. And we've done, we've done this a lot this year. And, it, and at most of the time, it didn't really matter what type of defense the other team's playing. We just took off and gone, you know. And that seems like, to me, um, just our best chance to win is to let Bone dictate the pace. And, and I'm okay with him driving in the lane, like you said, and then pulling the ball out. And it's like, if it's not there, that's fine. Set it up and run with it. Well, also, give, when was the last time but, Alexander beat someone down the court? too right that used to be the thing during the season was he's running past everybody and getting fast break uh, not every time but you know him and Fulkerson did it quite a few times this year right 
Right. And no, to your point, I, I agree with that part, Powell, as far as the pace uh, side of it, getting the ball and at least running like a secondary break or something like that, you know, where they're not hitting their main offense, but it's like, Hey, we got the ball. We got a defensive rebound. We need to run some kind of, you know, some kind of play out of this and they should have something already. Not, not bone dribble down to the, the elbow and then pull it back out and then pass it and slow it down. They, there should have been some kind of secondary break or maybe they pass it to the wing and somebody goes and posts up and they try to get some action out of that. That, that part was kind of surprising to me. And maybe, and, and, you know, and I thought about this too with the Colgate deal, maybe we thought we could win playing that kind of game and we were okay with that. And we wasn't going to, we were not going to wear guys out by playing a, by playing a, you know, a fast paced game, you know, that I thought about that and I, you know, I understand that thought, but when they started cutting into the lead and then they got it down uh, pretty close, then you, you have to change what you're doing to pick it back up again. Well, I agree with and, that. I, yeah. I, you know, it's almost like the NBA, you know, I was thinking about that too, where it's like, okay, I'm just not even going to turn into an NBA game until the last three minutes because that's when they play ball. And, you know, I, we just, as I said earlier, I'm not sure how deep our bench is and, and how we can sustain ourselves. Now, you know, to me, rather than just slowing things down, I say keep the pace of the game going. Uh, our guys like to be aggressive. They like to attack. They felt they were having fun doing that, and they are having success doing that. You're up 20 points. You're up 25 points. That's the time to sub your guys for your for your guys to have, you know, the energy at the end of the game that you want. Um, and I, that's that's the my only problem is, you know, I, I think coming into this season, based upon everything that we knew about this team, at least I was thinking we're going to have a pretty good bench. But for whatever reason, the bench hasn't quite – panned out the way we all expected over the course of the year. I mean, our no. bench used to be Lamonte Turner, and he would come in for Pons. Well, gosh, now Turner's starting, and Pons has gone backwards. Uh, crazy. Yeah, my, only thing about, you know, my only thing about keeping people fresh this time of year or whatever, this just – there's no you can't you can't worry about that now. I mean, it's either you you either go home, either you play your best players, and if they get, get all the rest you want, yeah, or you go home. And you know, in a game like today, there's no business for us to be worried about players playing too many minutes when you've got five days to rest. Well, and, I think it goes to a matter of whether or not you have legs at the end of the game. I mean, and, and part of it but, goes. Yeah. To, team you're playing. I mean, so there are some other teams that don't have deep benches either. So mm-hmm. everybody's playing the same game. But if you're playing a game against somebody like a Kentucky or or, or even Auburn, my gosh, they've got a deep bench. Um, and and their bench doesn't just mean like, okay, we're going to take out our 6'11 guy and put in the 6'8 guy. They're putting in another 6'11 guy. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that Barnes has the luxury as of as to go to as deep of a bench as we kind of envisioned when the year started. That, that, that's worrisome for the future. I know that's a whole different conversation, but 
I mean, yeah. you have James and, and different players coming in, but if if you haven't developed Walker or Fulke or Heck Pons, who is one of the freakiest athletes probably walking around UT's campus right now, into something productive, I mean, that's a li- little worrisome, and that's probably not another conversation for another day. But yeah, I mean, if if you're gonna if he goes into that bench, there's Outside of outside of Bowden, I mean, there's and, and Fulke getting maybe nine to ten good minutes with a couple rebounds, maybe two to four points. There's not a lot there. Right. You're, you're, uh, I, I, agree, I, I agree with that 100. Um, percent But the the most of the players that besides Ferguson, most of the other players are would are they all they're all sophomores probably, right? Walker and Jalen Johnson. They're going to be sophomores, uh, or they're sophomores now. Um, you know, Bone and Admiral didn't really turn the corner until they were juniors. So maybe they'll turn the corner next year. Maybe it takes a few years, you know, in Barnes. Maybe. Practice, maybe his system and stuff. And, you know, we'll have DJ Burns also. You know, we don't know what we have in him, but that's another big body inside. And um, so – Maybe, you know, hopefully it's not as bad as it looks, but I agree with what you're saying. It it doesn't look good for the future as far as what we're having to play now, and you can't really rely on them with the backups. So we're still dealing with kids that needed to be developed when they were recruited. I mean, we don't have four and five stars sitting on the bench. They're being – I don't know what was Burns. He was a – He was a four-star. Yeah, yeah, he's like our sec, second-highest-rated mm-hmm. recruit. Right. That's there. <laughs> Right, right. But he also, but he also, like, he's he's supposed to be a senior in high school right now too. So right, he right. he he actually moved up. So yeah, his whole idea was he was going to sit this year and develop, playing on this team and learn the system. And yeah. uh, I think there was some article about him having lost weight, and he's going to, or somebody ran into him somewhere, and he he lost weight and has continued to lose maybe another fifteen pounds or something, and. You know, they're they're all developmental guys. We we still may, mainly have a team of developmental guys. So uh, right, that, and that's the point. At the end of the day, is when you have developmental guys, you don't have that full consistency, in my opinion, as some of these NBA ready players. And that's what it comes back to: is you see these ups and downs now. So we're gonna have more of this, where you have some overachievement times, and then you have some of these just boneheaded periods of time that we go through, and. That's your Tennessee Vols, ladies and gentlemen. So, and I, think you know, I think we're a Final Four team, and I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking about the ones we got, and I think we've got the ability to get Final Four. I don't, I don't think of Elite Eight as being our ceiling. Doesn't mean we're going to make the Final Four, but um, I, I don't think the Elite Eight is our ceiling. Well, we got two grueling games. I mean, two very grueling games to get through, <laughs> and it, and. The one thing we haven't talked about is you hope that Oregon, that's a freaking athletic team. You hope that they're not in the bracket against us. I think they would potentially, they're in our bracket, aren't they? They would potentially, yeah, they would potentially go mm-hmm. against Virginia if they win, which they're winning right now. Um, and of course, if Virginia wins, but goodness gracious, that is an athletic team and they would give us fits, in my opinion. So, yeah, you know, I like, you know, I'd like to, I sound like I'm um, really 
I mean, it, it sounds, if you listen to me, it sounds like we're a 500 team or something like that. But at the end yeah. of the day, we just were 31 and five and we just right. won. And, you know, we're moving on to the Sweet 16 and it feels really good to be in this position, even though there's little things that we can talk about that we can complain about and stuff. And, you know, and I'm not, you know, I, by no means am I acting like, um, you know, I'm questioning Barnes coaching because I'm, I'm not necessarily doing that. There's things I don't understand, but man, it just feels really good to be in this position though. Finally. Right. Right. And I, I think I, I sent a text to the group real quick as we kind of round this thing up here, but um, I sent a, the highlights from the, the right state game and you look at that one and we blew them out. I mean, it was a cakewalk last year and then we ended up losing to, I mean, obviously Alexander was out, but we ended up losing to Loyola, whatever, Marymont or whatever they're called in the mm-hmm. second round. And it was like, we had, I felt like we had so much dang confidence. We're the three seed and, you know, SEC co-champions and lost a tough one to Kentucky in the SEC tournament, you know, championship game, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, gosh, there's all this momentum. And then you get, I, I felt like it was out of the blue losing to, you know, Loyal and Marymont and they go on their run. But this year it feels a little bit different because the expectations obviously are different, right? So um, hopefully these guys can, can put another couple solid games here and we can get to that dang final four. Um, do we want to do any predictions or is there anything else we want to talk about before we wrap this thing up? I mean, I, I they're going to, I have them of course um, in the final four in my bracket. If you participated in the pod quest bracket challenge, yeah. we appreciate the, that. The uno- um, unofficial because it's not pinned. Thanks. Oh yeah. The, the end of, no, it's official. Um, <laughs> we, we're going to pay out. Don't worry. Right. Um, the, uh, yeah, I think they can make the final four. I think, I think they have to play more consistent. If they play like they did today, they they're in a lot of trouble. But yep. this team is talented enough to get past this round, yep. get into the elite eight, and then anything's possible after that. I completely agree with that. And you know, we're talking about we're we're, we're Tennessee fans talking about um, our team, but I guarantee you. Um, Purdue probably wishes they wouldn't play in us at the same time. They would probably wish they had an easier game because we're not going to be an easy out for them. Yeah, and I, I think if we I'll, – I'll, go ahead, Bleed Orange. I know you're chiming in on what your thoughts were. No, no, I I, I agree uh, with what everybody's saying. And it's you – know, my gosh, this time of year it's hard to predict anything. But um, I, I wish that Tennessee were – at the top of their game, the first half they played like the Tennessee team that we need them to be, that they need themselves to be if they're going to make it to the Final Four. They are going to have to have that intensity throughout the entire game. So let's hope they can find that, and uh, we'll be having uh, some really great conversations this time next week. Yeah, and I, I, I hope we get a chance to play Virginia Again, I think they're susceptible to Oregon, but um, if they somehow get past Oregon, you look at Kyle Guy against Oklahoma, shot zero of 10 from three. Think about if Lamonte Turner shot 10 threes in a game and missed all of them. <laughs> and, you know, Guy is there is one of their studs, two of 15 shooting. I think Virginia's trending down. If we can somehow figure out a way to get past Purdue, it's going to be an interesting elite 
Elite Eight. And again, I've got them in the Final Four, so I think Tennessee kind of figures figures a way to get to the Final Four. So, and I, I see a bleed orange disconnected. So, looks like his Metamucil's kicked in. But uh, anything else we want to uh, talk about? Any of the? I know there's the UCF bull crap in the UCF Duke game, but anything else as we wrap this thing up? Go big orange. Nope. I think as well. Thanks for listening. No, it was good. I think it, I think the whole the general feeling of the board is we're all a little frustrated about how the game happened, but we're also happy that we're still alive and kicking. So um, hopefully the guys can regroup and Barnes can put together a freaking solid plan and be able to change it up as as things go on. So come on, Barnes. We know you listen to this thing. So. If you want to give us a call, you can join our group chat and you can ask us anything you want. We'll lo- we'd love to help you out. So uh, maybe, maybe he can fix Duke's toilet issue. Maybe he can fix Duke's toilet issue. He's Duke is still elbow deep in a bunch of crap still at his in-laws, I think. So, um, but a really good debate tonight, a spirited debate. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, Powell, thank you so much, man. Priest fall bleed orange and everybody else again for listening. And we'll see you next Sunday as we discuss the Sweet 16 and hopefully the Elite Eight as well. So with that said, have a good evening and go Vols.